Hello and welcome to Real Bible Stories. Join us as we deep dive into the historic, religious, cultural, political, and emotional context surrounding the real lives of real people in the Bible and the stories we've all grown to love. Hello and welcome back to Real Bible Stories. I'm your host, Timmerin Ward, and we are joined by my wife, Selena. Hey! And our teacher for this week, Pastor David Squires. Hello! So we've been going down the rabbit hole with um, story behind the story, which is really just real Bible stories at its absolute core, and uh, really taking apart um, the Bible and trying to tease out some of the nuance of different characters and different concepts within the Word. And it's been an absolute journey for me. I will also include that like it has also been an absolute journey at work right now. So I'm sorry these episodes have been coming out uh, slower uh, as I'm grinding through all of my day-to-day stuff, but... We will get it all out there to you all, um, at least at the, at the most every week. And then sometimes I'm delayed <laughs> if, it's, if it's not every week. But um, that's on me. I'm, I'm, I'm working it. Uh, but this week. What's your work? Tell them what you do. What's, oh, they know what I do. I talk about it all the time. I take care of everyone's, the mother, the mother's, what do you call it? Oh the uh, sons and daughters of America. The, 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 uh, the, the, the United is a States Marine Marines. captain. Yeah, it's it's a he, you've got a cool the world's job. Greatest, the world's greatest babysitter, the, mo- the world's most combat trained. Okay, babysitter. I know you guys have all your little lines that demean what you do. <laughs> you eat crayons. You, I know I hear it all. But yeah, we're no, it's, it's pretty it's awesome. Yeah, so I guess my job right now is to be a um, the company executive officer of my company, the headquarters company within my battalion here um, at the schoolhouse. So I wear a lot of hats in addition to that. So. Um, day to day, I'm mostly managing the Marines awaiting training population. So that's anywhere between three and 400 Marines at any given point. Um, and I'm also managing our maintenance section and our logistics section as the OIC for them. And I, uh, write on, and when I say write on, I, I manage the personnel of a couple other sections within the battalion as well. And it's just a lot of different hats. Like we're having a personnel shortage. And so I've accumulated, more responsibility on my plate to allow the instructors to have more of the time and space to be instructors. Because when I was an instructor for two years, anytime company or battalion came over the top and was like, I need you to do this thing. In addition to instruction, it really robbed the, my students from, from the time I could have spent with them. So I, in turn, now that I'm in a position of leadership and a position of influence, I try to take on more of that stuff myself or push it back to battalion or company to do and try to take as much as I can off of the plate of, of the instructor because I think that that is our, our ticket to success. And so that's kind of just my, my big push. So taking care of Marines is the name of the game at, at, at every level, um, especially within the officer's community. So, yeah, that's what I do. I almost said amen like we're in church. Amen. Hey. Amen, yeah. I mean, this is an affirmation, agreement. So. Preach, preach, Marine, preach. Hey, I was given some feedback to uh, the uh, it's like my last class of students that I had. Um, they had done this big brief and I was giving them feedback of like how they could articulate their point more clearly, how they could um, engage with people in the audience, eye contact, helping pe- like making people stay awake by uh, doing little things like, you know, walking up towards them while you're speaking. Yeah. Cause like there's these subconscious <laughs> things that happen in your head and you're like, someone's coming towards me. The person that's in charge of me is coming towards me or stuff like that. And uh, I was going on and telling my story and my big boisterous teaching voice kind of way. And, um, and at, at the end I asked my peers that were my co-instructors, um, you know, how was that? And, uh, one of them said, it's like, man, you were preaching. <laughs> that was how he described it. He was like, 
Man, you, when you get going, man, you were preaching. See, I, I as like, a preacher, I like that the height of public speaking is to preach. Yeah, exactly. Like that was his the highest compliment he had. He was like, only you weren't really delivering good. the word of God; you were delivering the word of the Marine Corps. Exactly, or just how to be, you know, better officers. That's it. That was the, that's what I was. I, will, I know. I know. We're going to get to our subjects in just a minute. It is kind of cool. We we tape on the Marine base, and it's mm-hmm. kind of cool that we come driving on every week onto a Marine base, which is. Awesome. Absolutely. You forget how awesome it is because you live here, work here. That's you. But this is a cool base. Uh, right over those hills over there, there's there's maneuvers happening Yeah. Uh, that will defend the United States and our forces. And it's been doing it for a couple hundred years. There's actually a huge monument like right off base here because this base used to be bigger. Um, it used to extend maybe another 20, 30 miles wow. um, up to 62. And there's mm-hmm. a monument. I rode my motorcycle out to that, um, to that monument. Right. And it says on there... That like first Marine Division trained here, second Marine Division, and that's where they used to do division size wow. exercises wow. with the Army, and so the Army gave the base to the Marines, and we scaled it back because obviously we don't need to do division on division really right. <laughs> level right. operations because we don't have that many people in the Marine Corps. Not like the the Army employs like five or six times the amount of people we do, but it's crazy to think that like all of that during World War II. Vietnam era was 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 being used as well. All that empty desert. The army wow. abandoned Twenty Nine Palms. Like yeah. it's not habitable, and so the Marine Corps is like, we could torture people here. Exactly. And now the Marine Corps <laughs> have had it ever since, like the last fifty or sixty years. It's so. perfect. It's perfect for training for desert warfare. What are mm-hmm. we talking about? Oh man, we we are in fact a podcast about <laughs> about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Um. So getting back to the getting back to the point. We are going to be talking this week about, instead of a person, a concept. So the concept of heaven, um, as is described in the Bible, we, I bet you all have these different ideas in your head of what heaven is, what it's going to be, what it looks like, you know, who you're going to see, what you're going to do, what can you be able to do, um, what are you not going to be able to do, mm-hmm. which is like the more interesting question that I have is like, well, what are the limitations of my ability to do things in heaven? Right. It's like, well, there's no sin. It's like, well, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot there that I've always had questions about. And, uh, to a, to a certain extent, I'll say that I have a lot of anxiety about, I've I've, I've told, I've seen, has seen me have like panic attacks about like what is, what's next. The, the afterlife is such an important topic that we're going to spend multiple weeks talking about heaven and what is heaven and what's the new earth and what does the Bible actually tell us? Well, I'm excited to go through that. And if, Me you know, too. if I have a panic attack, we'll just cut that out. No one will ever know. They won't know. They, they won't know. know. They, they, they won't know <laughs> Captain Ward was flat on the... It's like, it's like the concept of going to war and doing all the things Marine Corps wants me to do has never freaked me out. I think it's super cool. But the uh, the finality of life and the level of faith that's required yeah. is if, if like, I have faith that when I pull the trigger, my gun's going to work. Mm. Um, and it's like, I know I need to have that same faith in my, in what comes after this life. Cause that's guaranteed. Yeah. All right. That's like eventually going to happen. Inevitably that's going to happen unless, you know, the rapture happens, Scott comes back and he takes me up directly. It's like, mm-hmm. but it's going to happen. Um, and there's a lot of, at least for me, a lot of anxiety that's there. And I know other people struggle with that too. We're looking tonight at really the first glimpse you're going to have of heaven. What are some of the first things you're going to see when you step in from this body into glory. What is it you're going to see? And we're just taking a look at some different views of the end and within what Jesus says. But if you, if you have a Bible, John 14, Selena is going to read this. John 14, one to six is phenomenal. 
Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do you do know him and have seen him. The doctrine of heaven falls into a section of what we call doctrinally eschatology. And eschatology is the study of last things. So eschatology would include... That's a cool word. Isn't it? The study it's fun of to last say. things. It, it belongs on a podcast about real Bible stories. Eschatology. Oh my gosh. So we're about to do a whole series on eschatology. Okay. Love uh, it. Which would include heaven, hell, the second coming, um, the resurrection of the dead. Mm-hmm. It would include the rapture, um, the tribulation, the millennium, the end of the world, the judgment, new heaven, new earth. All of those things are part of what we define as eschatology, that, just that section of, of scripture. So what we're doing is we're going to be looking at questions like, you know, what's the future of heaven? What happens? Is heaven just always the same or is there, is there something coming? What are you going to see first? What are your, what's your new body going to be like? What happens when a child dies? Um, what, what is our relationship when we get to heaven? Are we, we're going to answer all those other. questions. That but, doesn't sound like we could all fit that in this one episode. No, no, no. We're doing this for a while. Oh, okay. I'm like, Oh my, that's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot of questions that people definitely have. Well, like, here's going to be a question you guys will have is, so when we get to heaven, Imran and Selena, are the, are you guys married or are you, I mean, what's the, your relationship? It said till death do us part. And so I assume we're not married. Actually, I remember Jesus we'll, saying we'll, we'll do that, a whole that, podcast yeah. on it. Okay. So yeah, I'll save it till then. Yeah. But let's I look at this. Jesus talking about that. Um, what I hope happens, I hope out of this, you just fall more in love with Jesus. I hope that yeah. out of this, you fall a little bit out of love with this world. This world's going to burn. And that the thought of heaven and the theology of heaven isn't just a, a static thing that's out there that, okay, now I understand heaven better. I hope your understanding of heaven whets your appetite and you become thirsty and hungry mm-hmm. for heaven. And out nice. of that, you're like, well, I can't wait to see Jesus that you fall a little deeper in love with the, with the Lord out of this. I love that. All right. So what's our first point? What happens when we die? Uh, good theology. That's an aggressive first point. It is aggressive, isn't it? All right. It used to be how we're going to start with what's heaven. No, like, no, no, no. <laughs> well, what happens when you, it's like, it's how, it's how we to used it. to introduce the gospel to people. When you knock on doors, be like, if you were to die today, do you know what? be like, Whoa, we just met. Yeah. <laughs> you it's know? Like, it's like, do I know where I'd go? It's like, I don't even know what I have for breakfast this morning. What are we talking about <laughs> right, right now? Uh, a good theology removes fear. And when you, when we're honest about it, a lot of people are scared of death. We're scared of the fact that we are mortal. In fact, Hebrews chapter two, verse 15 says that Jesus died to free those who all their lives were held in the slavery to the fear of death. There's actually a, um, uh, I don't remember if he's just a multimillionaire or a billionaire, but, um, I'll get his name by the end of the podcast, but he, he has dedicated once he sold his business and, mm-hmm. and got his like hundred million or whatever. He has dedicated his entire the entirety of his wealth to living as long as possible. That's right. And that is and he that is his stated goal is finding out how to basically live. Because he's forever. scared of death. Yeah. But it's not just that people are scared of death, which is true. They're scared. They're kind of scared of heaven. 
they're scared that heaven's going to be boring or, you know, scared that there's just going to be hanging out on a cloud. Our cultural pictures of heaven have not encouraged people. So they've not given a, a lot of hope. We're scared that we're going to get to heaven. It's just a long church service. Like yeah, it a, like old, a 10,000 year church service. Yeah. Like I, well, okay. I don't want to <laughs> go. And, and people kind of joke like, well, I'd rather hang out in hell where there's a party than oh my up in heaven. You know, uh, some people have deeper fears. They're scared of dying and standing before God mm. scared. Of, so there's just a fear of death. I do love what Hebrews said. Jesus died to set free all those who are held in slavery to the fear of death. You don't have to be enslaved to this. This is good doctrine. Um, some views, just what I got here, about five, five views of mm-hmm. what happens when we die. Uh, number one view is what we call eternal oblivion or cessation, that you just cease to exist. You're like a candle that's just, and you're out. Yeah. You just, I think it's like the big the atheist perspective. It is. Yeah. It's, it's like you're atheism. You're a biological creature, um, and so when your biology ends, that's the end of that. Secular humanism goes that same route, or um, nihilism. Nihilism. What's nihilism? I think nihilism's worse than that because, um, so nihilism is not that when I die, I just die. It's that because when I die, I just die. Therefore, nothing I do today has any impact or matters all at all. from life. Exactly. Yeah. And so, nihilism kind of goes into like, I can take advantage of who I want and I should take advantage of who and what I can because it's all about me because nothing else matters except me. Well, actually it's, not even except me. It's just nothing. Like I don't even matter. So yeah. therefore why did, why are you even bothering me about it? Yeah. It kind of reminds for self. me of the movie we watched recently. Um, everything, everything everywhere all at once yeah, where the villain is like nothing matters. Wow. Yeah. So that's wow. an interesting point because the whole point of that movie is the it's two it's two women who have the ability to see all versions of reality at the same time and one of them comes to the conclusion is that because anything is possible it nothing matters like i could very well anything i do could go any way and does go any way because all possibilities exist mm-hmm. at the same time therefore nothing matters and the other one is like well because everything that i do can lead to any other reaction and will lead to any other reaction than everything that I do matters. Wow. So it's these two extremes that, that, yeah. So this, what's the the movie called? Everything, everywhere, all at once. Wow. It's a fantastic uh, thought. It's on the surface. It's a really like kooky movie, but on the subsurface, it has an extremely good psychological discussion of like, you can choose to care or not. You know, those movies where you don't really get it while you're watching it. You have to leave the theater and an hour later where you're eating, you're like, Oh, you that have was like deep. an existential crisis. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so number one view out there that's actually popular today is that there's nothing. When you die, you just cease to exist. Yeah. Another view, this is popular among Catholics in particular, is purgatory. That you don't go to heaven or hell when you die. You go to a place between the places. Mm-hmm. And purgatory is the place where you pay for your sins. So you go there and nobody goes immediately to heaven. Or hell. You go or, or um, hell. In that. You go to purgatory, and in purgatory, in fact, you hear it in the word purge, purgatory, you're purged of your sins. So for mm-hmm. thousands and thousands and thousands of years, you're there being tortured. And then the idea became, especially in the Middle Ages, well, if you're good, and especially if you pay the church money, you can take time <laughs> off of purgatory. Yeah. And so if you do these things for the saints, if you kind of torture yourself on earth, you remove the torture in the next life. It, it also carried... Um so I'm just bringing up what my uh, my chaplain, when I was deployed, he was Catholic, mm-hmm. would talk about. Like you, your family, like once you died 
and you are in that purgatory, your family can pay. That's right. As well to remove, reduce It's like, Hey, this is going to reduce the time on your mother's, you know, pur- purgatory time. Or you could pray to the saints and they'll intercede on your mm-hmm. behalf and they can reduce that time as well. Cause they'll go and, um, you know, like talk with, talk with Jesus and God about, um, about your mom's situation or your dad's situation and, and, yeah. and reduce that time. So it's oh. like, it wasn't just things you did. It was also, you could influence your families or your friends. Uh, I would suggest that that, that, that it, even it come to be like, is it just purely money driven? It is, it, that, it is the fear of telling people, Hey, heaven and hell are real. Well, what if we created an in between place, like a waiting room and it does kind of keep you good. You don't want to go. If we tell everybody they're going to heaven, then they might be bad on earth. And so what if we create an in-between place where you're going to be punished? The problem with that is it's anti-gospel. The gospel is it not that- It probably merges with old, other old things, other old religions, and they didn't just listen to what Jesus said too. But I'd have to explore that. The gospel is not that I go to purgatory and pay for my sins. The gospel is that Jesus died on the cross and he paid for my sins. So there's nothing left for me to pay for. Yeah. What would, what would I pay for in purgatory? So it's really a reversal of the gospel that now you have to buy- uh, behavior be good, or we're going to send you to this place purgatory and you're going to be tortured and yeah. it creates a merit system. Some, you know, that's, that's not, which, fair. which flies in the face of, um, God dying for your sins in the first it place. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Another view is called reincarnation, which is more of an Eastern thought. Very, very popular. Mm-hmm. Multiple religions follow reincarnation. Does Buddhists follow reincarnation? It does. Um, most Eastern religions and Hinduism follow and stuff. Hinduism, all of, yeah. and you can mix those. Um, mm-hmm. Those those Eastern religions often mix together, but That's they true, follow. They kinda, it's like Jews, where it's like a people and a religion. I would ask if if reincarnation's real. If you come back, it would require a God above it all organizing that mess. Who's organizing it? Who decides who goes where? What and what they what turn into? Commit, what you t- wouldn't yeah. that require a God that's over? Somebody has to oversee judge, the afterlife. Yeah, to yeah there see has to what be a judge. To and be reincarnated. if there's a judge, the judge did speak up, and he did not tell us there was reincarnation. <laughs> there's a book called the count of Monte Cristo where this guy's digging out of his prison cell. And so mm-hmm. he's digging, digging, digging. He finally gets a hole. He drops and he just goes, he drops into another prison cell. And oh. that's kind of reincarnation. Like you die and you just come back here, back to yeah. the prison. It doesn't offer a lot but of hope. Like, but you can come back as like an ant mm-hmm. or you can be really, really good and come back as like a bird or something like that. Like, I think that's the logic. It's like, be really good here and your chakras align and all this stuff and you'll be able to come back. It connects to another uh, faith system, which is actually devil worship, Satan worship. Uh, I had a friend, his Mm. name's Pete. He was out on the battlefield. This is Iraq. This guy is all shot up. He goes into the tent to see to his friend and he goes, I heard you're a devil worshiper. So what do you guys believe? And the guy who's shot up goes, well, we believe that if we serve Satan well on earth, that he'll let us come back. And to Pete, earth? He, yeah. And Pete said, I couldn't help it. I look at this guy all bloodied up. He's, he's got bullets in him, mm. shrapnel in him. It wasn't good. He said, I looked at him and I just went, dude, you want to come back to this? Mm-hmm. Like, is there a better opening for the gospel? This is it. This yeah. is, you're, you're going to serve Satan to come back here and get shot up again. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Um, another view is called soul sleep. And it's the idea that the soul when you die, your soul just kind of passes out. It sleeps until the second coming of Jesus. And so when Jesus comes again, he raises the dead and your souls are brought back. So there, so then there's no heaven. There's just the new earth at that point. Correct. That there's no present heaven that the, that, well, there's heaven that God's in, in that view. And there's the angels, but the dead do not go to heaven. They just rest 
and heavens. So that kind of flies in the face of us uh, petitioning from beneath the throne uh, imagery that's in Revelation. It does. Revelation chapter six. Mm -hmm. Very good. Thank you. Exciting. I pay attention. (laughs) I'm proud of you. Yeah. You've been working on me for like two and a half years. I I hope I learned something. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What Jesus promised us was eternal life, which is life without end or life without a pause. It's not, hey, I'll give you eternal life, pause, eternal life. Um, you, you have salvation, pause, you'll be dead for a while. And then that's not the promise. Eternal life is life without end, Yeah, uh, which is what Jesus offered to me and to you. So, yeah, I love that. Um, I'm trying, I, I'm not wanting to skip the story that you were excited about. Oh, what with my buddy? Yeah. Oh, the nihilist. Oh, um, I, yeah, you're right. Sorry. So I was telling him that I was going to tell him about uh, my buddy who was a, who was a nihilist and an atheist in uh, college and we would, but the, the reason I brought him up is we would go back and forth about, um, Christianity all the time. And he was extremely well read, um, with the Bible, he just rejected it completely. Yeah. And so, um, but I wasn't that well, that well read at all at the time. And our back and forth would actually challenge me to go and like study my mm-hmm. faith and actually gain some more understanding. So it was invigorating in that way. But at the same time, I never really was able to, um, convince him or change his mind or anything like that, which is not really the intent is just, we would have the the conversation. I also was not in a good place to be an example for the kingdom either at the time, but he um, ended up dropping out of our NRTC program and um, going to be a parole officer for a while. And then he ended up getting another job working as a prison guard. And uh, as a prison guard, I just found this out like a year, like a year later after this happened, he uh, got caught up with like dealing drugs in the prison. And then they got, and he got caught, convicted, and went back to that prison. To the same prison he was a guard? Yeah. And then I haven't heard from him since. Oh. I was just like, that is absolutely insane. I hope he's all right. Um, I hope that was the wake-up call and and a a good chaplain or a pastor finds him in there and works on him. Yeah. But like, man, it's just like absolutely wild. But yeah, that was his whole perspective. It was like, nothing matters. And it's like, everything that I've read just further proves that none of this matters. And I was like, that's crazy, dude. Wow. Um, four views so far, eternal oblivion, purgatory, reincarnation, soul sleep. What the Bible teaches is the Bible teaches resurrection into eternal life immediately. And so, uh, Luke 22, 40 to 43, Jesus was dying on the cross. He was speaking to a thief. The thief made a clear statement of faith. Jesus, remember me when you can come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this day you'll be with me in paradise. That is you're going to move from this cross into heaven. Yeah. You're not going to wait. You're not going to, there's not a soul sleep. You're not going to mm. go to purgatory this day. You'll be with me in paradise. Um, sometimes people will put change the comma on that. And so they read it this way. I tell you this day, you'll be in paradise. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's it, the, the easiest, most, the only reason you would put the comma there is you don't want the other side of that mm-hmm. to say what it says. So you just like, well, if I read it a little different, but the clear meaning is today we are going to see one another again and mm-hmm. it will be in paradise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, but, but that's not the only verse that this doctrine hangs on. Second Corinthians five, eight says, you see it there, Selena. We would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So he says to be away from the body isn't to be in the grave. It's not soul sleep. It's not purgatory. Mm-hmm. Paul said, I believe that for me not to be in the body is to, to be, be with, the Lord. with the Lord. Yeah. Um, even more important, Matthew 22, 32, Jesus was arguing with Sadducees. And he said something 
obviously brilliant because it's God on earth. But he starts talking to them about, right? When you're talking about God on earth, it's going to be good. Yeah. He starts talking to them about Moses at the burning bush, which is exciting because Jesus was there. And he said, remember, God said to Moses at the burning bush, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. His point is that God did not say, I was the God of Abraham. He's able to say, I am the God of Abraham. Mm-hmm. The reason he can say that, and then Jesus even said this, he said, therefore, he's not the God of the dead, but of the living. When Jesus said it, Abraham was dead. When Moses was there, Abraham was already dead. But God didn't say, I was the God of Abraham, because Abraham was already alive and in heaven with God. Jesus' point is that at that moment, Abraham was alive. Thus, God is the God of Abraham, not Mm -hmm. was the God Mm -hmm. of Abraham. Isn't that brilliant? Yeah, that's good. That's like God on earth good. That's (laughs) I I would never come up with that. That's Jesus. You don't have to answer this question now, but does the Bible talk at all about um, well, what happened to those that died before the promise was given? It does. What does it say? Um, I think that those who died before, you're talking about before the cross. No, no, no. Before Abraham. Like those that died before Abraham was given the original promise. Um, like- God has always counted faith based on what you understand at that time. So we, we believe in progressive revelation. Interesting. The faith that you have at that time to be satisfactory um, for salvation. Mm. And so they had faith looking forward as best they could. They didn't see all, but they put their faith in God. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Mm. Uh, They looked forward to the cross. We look back at the cross. Obviously, we can have a greater faith. But for those that were after Adam and Eve, but before Abraham... Um, they did have a promise. They had the promise in Genesis chapter three, verse 16 uh, or 15, uh, which was the promise that there would, a deliverer would come and rescue mm. them. And they had the sacrifice of blood and already uh, by Cain and Abel, they're sacrificing their, so they have put their hope in God. Mm. It's just throughout the Bible, the hope gets clearer and clearer and clearer as you get closer to Jesus. And then it yeah. explodes with clarity. And so we can look back and have a very clear faith. Okay. There's a sense that there's a higher expectation on us because so we've been given such a clear view of mm-hmm. what salvation is that we believe. As, as Paul said, now God commands men everywhere to repent, to put their faith in Christ. That makes sense. So I've given you all the tools. I've shown you who I am. Mm-hmm. You already mentioned one of the, the great views. You, you nailed it. Revelation chapter 6 mm. is if, there's, if you don't die and go to heaven, then how are there souls under an altar in heaven? Yeah. Petitioning, so, uh, what was it? Why do you still allow the? Why, like, why, why you still allow how much the longer? Earth? How much longer before yeah. you avenge our our blood? Yeah, I wanted to emphasize this that heaven's a real place. So the verse you read a moment ago, Selena, in my father's house are many rooms. Um, the Greek is uh, topos, place. In my father's house, here I go to prepare a topos, a place for you. And then he says it again in verse three, I'm going to prepare a topos, a place for you. We assume physical things are real things. In the Bible, spiritual things are real things. Yeah. We think the spiritual things, it's too, I can't touch it. I, I can't mm-hmm. see it. It can't be real. Mm-hmm. The Bible says maybe the spiritual things are, the, are what's more real than the physical. Um, Interesting. Right? When someone dies, I've been with many people when they died. That's a, yeah, that's a reality of pastoral leadership. <laughs> right? So yeah. I've been with many people in many circumstances when they die. I would say that you are very aware at that moment that there was more to that person. When you see 
them go from a living being to being a corpse. In those short few minutes that the last breath is breathed, the body dramatically changes. And it's not just um, that death begins to move into the body. Everything that animated the body disappears. There was more to that person than just the electronics of the eyes. Mm -hmm. There was more than just the breath going in and out. Mm -hmm. There was something that animates the human being that, that makes us that, that you're aware there's more to this than just the flesh. Mm. Yeah. You know, I like that. There was a, um, this would be hard to explain in like 10 seconds, but, um, there was this book that I was reading, a manga that I was reading a long time ago that, um, it, it went down the rabbit hole of this alien race had sufficient technology where they could completely destroy your body and then completely put it back together. And you would be biologically, unchanged from what you were completely just take you apart to like an atomic level and then put you back together that's star trek beaming no no i mean like (laughs) you'd be dead okay okay. they killed you and they would put you back together and you would be back to life and so one of the questions that came up in it that someone asked this alien race one of the humans asked this alien race was like is there so what is so is there a soul and the alien race responded after they had this back and forth it's like well there is this when we put for some reason when we put people back together after doing this to them, they have like point zero, whatever, like some measurable amount of their, who they are is gone. Mm, mm. And so the thing that they're putting back together is for some reason different than the thing that they destroyed. Something was lost. Something was lost when That's they observable. Them. Like you can sit there and watch somebody die and you're aware, like if they were sleeping versus dead, mm. you're aware that, that something that animated them a moment ago is gone. Um, the corpse is dramatically different than the living being. That's really but we think the physical thing is the real, and you realize, well, there was something more real than this physical body that was inside this body. This body was just a container for what was actually real. Yeah. Uh, inside of you, inside of you, Imran, is more something real than just that body, which is your soul, your your being. It's weird to think of myself as like a like just blood, guts, that mm-hmm. somehow mm-hmm. sitting here talking. Yeah. And it's like, how is... How is that? That's We're deeply of, aware. We're innately aware that there's more to us. But we don't think about like what makes us up and like, and what makes up a, a human being and like, why, how does that, how does that manifest thought? How does that manifest actions? Like that's very. So theologically we call that the Imagio Dei, which is that we are made in the image of God and mm-hmm. that God breathed soul into us. He breathed life into Adam and he breathed life into us. Mm-hmm. And so life is the extension. Jesus said, I am life. Uh, all life is the extension of God. I want to be careful to not become pantheism, but they're nice. I was going to say that's, that's kind of hard for me to conceptualize because in heaven, we will be spirits, but when heaven comes down to earth, we'll gain a physical body again. Mm-hmm. So we'll be able to do physical, like physical, physical stuff again but in heaven is like how we like playing instruments and worshiping and like i don't know i don't know either because heaven's a spiritual place and yet it does depict physical objects like you said instruments robes things like that yeah wait i i I filed that under wait and see but it's true that the better is that the two be together the physical and the spiritual Mm -hmm. and that's why at the resurrection of all things uh, we are returned to spirit to physical bodies. I think it's also extremely difficult to describe um, spiritual things without relating them to physical things. 
Um, it's like, I think you've preached before of like everything that we've experienced in our life is life under a curse. Yeah. So it's difficult to explain what it was like in Eden before the fall, because we've never seen water without a curse. We've never seen a lion without a curse. You've never, it's like as much as you love your dog, you've never seen your dog not under a curse. That's right. Um, so it's, it's, it's impossible. It's like, and I think about myself and it's like, man, who would I be as a person if I didn't have to constantly deal with my sinful self, like my own sinful desires. The two, Uh, the two beings we have seen that were not under a curse that humans have laid eyes on are angels and the son of God. Angels do not rest under our curse and the son of God came into our world, but the curse did not, um, did not afflict him the same way Mm -hmm. it afflicts us. Um, he was greater than the curse. Some first things we're going to see when we get to heaven. So like, wow, there's going to be this great moment. I step into heaven and I just wanted to share as an opener to these weeks about heaven. What are some of the first things you're going to see? Cause I think that's like when I open my eyes in heaven, I take I'll my tell breath, you, last breath here. I'll tell you like the movie soul Pixar's mm-hmm. soul, where it's just a long line of people waiting for not good, uh, not judgment. Good. I was just like that. Was, and then, you know, in the movie, they like fall off the side and it has this whole thing. <laughs> but, um, but it's like the guy dies and then he's like in a line mm-hmm. going up mm-hmm. to, and he's like, what is that? And they're like, it's, and then it's like, well, I don't know what that is. I don't understand. It's not what I thought. And it's like, that's kind of how I feel sometimes. It's yeah. like, am I going to just be in a line waiting to be judged? Like, what is <laughs> let's, let's do better. Um, I hope so. No I, lines. One of the first things you're going to see is you're going to see angels. Um, the Bible often speaks of angels carrying us into the presence of God. In fact, Luke 16, when a man named Lazarus dies, not the Lazarus that Jesus raised from the dead. It's the story Jesus is telling. When Lazarus dies, he's carried into the presence of God by the angels. And angels are often mentioned in relation to our death. So I think one of the first things you'll see is angels. It's interesting, in 1956, Ecuador, uh, Nick Saint and Elliot um, were missionaries that were killed in Ecuador by a tribe that nobody had, had ever made contact with. The tribe killed them. Later, the tribe was converted to Christianity by the wives and the other members of that missionary team. Wow. And so the same people who lost their husbands, those women went in and won the tribe to the Lord. The tribe then told the story of having killed the men, Jim Elliott and Nick Saint. And they said that when they died, we heard in the treetops angels' feet. Uh, shh, shh, shh. And they said, we looked up and we saw those luminous beings in, wow. the, in the trees. Well, and I think what was happening is as those missionaries died a martyr's death, their souls were immediately ushered by the angels uh, from earth into heaven. Wow. That's intense. It is, isn't it? Another thing you're going to see, one of the first things you'll see is not an escalator going, I love that imagery you gave us. Man, that was Pixar. They just... (laughs) Thank you, Pixar. (laughs) Let's do better. The Bible does better. Good. You'll see the gates of the great city, 2 Peter 1.11. Do you see that, Selena? God will open wide the gates of heaven for you to enter into the eternal kingdom. So we'll see gates. It's one of the things that we're... We, I have a question. Because yeah. doesn't it say somewhere else in the Bible that uh, like Jesus talks about the road to the road to hell is wide and well-paved and the road to heaven is, is narrow. Like narrow? Yeah. So, I don't know. He's going to open wide the gates of heaven, which is kind of exciting. Well, I guess Jesus is talking about the road. Yeah. That's true. You're going to see angels. You'll see the Small gates. Small road, big gate. Uh, you're also going to see other people. And that's what we look forward to. The Bible talks about a great cloud of witnesses. The idea like in heaven, there's all these people that, um, that are there. We look forward to seeing them. So John saw in heaven, a great multitude 
of those that had died. Mm-hmm. There's people that we look forward to seeing. I think there's some special people that, that, you know, I would say that as I get older, heaven gets sweeter because there's people that I want to see. I've got grandparents I want to see. Um, my wife died. I absolutely can't wait to see Rebecca. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's people that it's just sweet to think about, wow, I can't wait to see them. Parents, grandparents, your spouse, your teachers. Uh, there's an old lady in this church named Doris. I can't wait to see Doris again. Mm. There was an old man named Bill Van Meter. I can't wait to see them. And I think one of the things that makes heaven special is one of the, we're, we're going to see those people from, uh, from earth again. In their, in their, in their, not glory, but um, in their honor, I guess, the honors that they've bestowed upon yeah, there's them. There's a little bit heaven. of glory that goes with that. I mean, yeah. only God bears eternal glory, but yeah. um, he will honor them. You're also going to see heroes of the faith, Moses, Elijah, the apostles. Um, by the way, when you go meet the apostles, be sure to meet Judas, not that Judas. <laughs> so hold on. There were two oh, disciples. Man. I'm not kidding. There were two disciples named Judas. There was Judas who betrayed Jesus. Judas Iscariot. And then there was another guy in the Bible named Judas, not Iscariot. Yes. That's his name. Judas, <laughs> Judas not Iscariot. <laughs> you know, when they were writing the Bible and he's like, look, be sure to tell people I'm not the one that betrayed Jesus. Yeah. They're like, oh, we're putting it in there. Like, what are you writing? Not Iscariot. Like you could come up with any, you could have put my last name in there. No, we're just going to call you the one who didn't betray Jesus. Nice. We know almost nothing about it. Can you imagine when you get to heaven, there's a big line to see Peter, big line to see Thomas. Yeah. I'm going over there to meet Judas, not Iscariot. Absolutely. <laughs> I bet he's got some stories. <laughs> I love that. Who are you looking forward to seeing, Selena? Hmm. This gets easier as you get older. Yeah, I was like, the only actual like close death would be my grandma. But at that point, she was a little bit kooky already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she had Alzheimer's. So I was like, didn't really get to know know her. I'll tell you. I'll tell you one. Um, when I was in middle school, um, I had a friend named P- Priscilla in my orchestra class. And she was killed by her father, mm. uh, who mm. was a pastor. Mm. And he killed, I think it was... The mother, my friend, and her sister, the only one that escaped was the son who was able to get out of a window and get over to the neighbor's house and call the police. Oh, my goodness. And then the father killed himself. Um, And so the whole school shut down. It was a huge, the huge funeral and all that. But it was like I sat, I played viola and she played cello Mm -hmm. right next to me. And um, and then she was just not there. Wow. And and so I, I would want to see her. That's yeah. just who's popped in my head. Wow. Another thing you're going to see, you'll see angels, you'll see the gates, you'll see people who have died. Um, you're going to see your new body. So you have not only your soul, but your soul will have a spiritual body. So you step immediately into a new body, which is a spiritual body that's been prepared for, for heaven. Uh, that spiritual body will not be burdened by the things this body has been burdened by. So can you imagine people who have asthma they die and they take their first breath in heaven and it's got to be phenomenal. The, <gasps> wow. Um, people who have glasses. Wow, breathing not under a curse. <laughs> those of you with glasses, which is most oh, of us, yes. all of a sudden you'll just see surgery. <laughs> um, people who limp are going to be able to run into God's presence. Yeah. People, can you imagine what it's going to be like for people that are colorblind? Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy Pritchett at church is colorblind. That guy, I want to be close by when he steps into glory because he will see the brilliance of the glory of God. All the colors will suddenly come luminous before him. Uh, People with mental slowness, 
all of a the sudden their minds will be set free from that which tied them down mm-hmm. on earth. There's a guy that goes to our church named Robert who has um, aut- autism. And he loves the Lord so much. I remember one time we were talking about heaven in small group. And Robert said, do you think that I will still have autism when I get to heaven? Or will I be, his words were normal. Will mm-hmm. I be normal? I said, Robert, the great thing about heaven is your mind will be set free. And that, that man with autism wow. just grinned ear to ear for the rest of the night wow. at the thought that one day he would not be, you know, because he's got autism, he feels weird, different, outcast. That's uh, interesting. And he knows it. Yeah. And he can't wait to That's, not be. Oh my gosh. I, I've never even thought about the, that someone with a mental illness would, is, than what it's like to be self-aware of your mental illness, Mm -hmm. but able to do nothing about it. Mm -hmm. Because, um, you know, we talk all the time, Ryan Ryan talked about it more recently, um, to like challenge yourself to try and deny your body something um, and and realize how much much control your body actually has over you and exponentially more so with your mind. It's like we really think we have a lot of control over our mind when we really don't. And when you take that to its extreme of like having a mental illness and then being a self-aware that you have it yeah. and knowing you can't do anything about it, like what a, what's a, what a insane situation right. to be in. And imagine the thought of Gloria finally overcoming that. Yeah. Cause we, we take our minds for granted. We're kind of proud of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what if you were just afflicted with mental illness and then, to, and you get a little outcast by it You yeah. get because you're not socially normal. You're not um, mentally able to deal with some stuff. And yeah. like you said, to be aware of it and to be aware of it, man, Robert, it was like it blissful. Was, ignorance is blissful for a reason. Yeah. But he knows, um, he knows yeah. he's different. That's he was intense. just so happy. That's intense. Um, Paul says in second Corinthians five, one to four, he describes us having, so as soon as you die, you step into the, into heaven and you are given a new body capable of the spiritual world. So you have a human body with that clothes you on earth. In heaven, you have a spiritual body. And Paul describes that body. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, Because then we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Let me just unpack that a little bit. Paul says, if this earthly tent we live in is destroyed, that's your body. Mm -hmm. Your body right Mm -hmm. now is like a tent, which tents are great for a while. Yeah. But you don't want to live in a tent. Um, tents get nasty. They get smelly. They get torn. Your body gets sick. It gets weary. It gets tired. It gets cancer. It gets kidney disease. It needs glasses. It needs hearing aids. It needs caffeine. Your body just on its own is just a it's just a tent that's <laughs> that's wearing out. Right. Paul on top says, of but all look, the temptation and all the right. Yeah. In heaven, we don't have a tent. We have a building. So a building is a permanent residence. Yeah. He says, right now, you're just in a little temporary residence. You're in a, you're in a tent. It's subject to the, to the elements like no other. Exactly. But in heaven, you've got a body that's not going to wear out. Yeah. You've got a spiritual body. And that spiritual it's, body. It's like those French, like French castles. And it doesn't like, break down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It'll protect you there from the elements. Thousands of years. Yeah. Yeah. You will step right out. When you die, you step right out of this old tent and you step into a brand new body. All of a sudden you can see, all of a sudden you can hear, 
I think things taste better. I think it is, can I put it this way? It's a body more capable of receiving reality than the physical body you have right now. There's a little bit of unreality with your body now. It There's cannot fully of. taste. It can't fully see. Mm. Your body now, it can't see spiritual things. You can't yeah. see angels. You can't, it's limited. Mm-hmm. You will step into a body with, um, without some of those limitations, you know? I love that. That's, um, yeah, that's intense. Things you'll see, you'll see angels, you'll see gates, you'll see people who have died. You're going to see your own new body. I think the most important thing to communicate of what you're going to see is you will see Jesus. That is the promise. You're going to see Jesus standing in glory and his face is going to shine like the sun. And I think very quickly, you will have a conversation with Jesus about the life that you lived. Mm. For believers, that is going to be a great experience to stand before Jesus. Uh, we're going to, I think, give an account for our lives. How did you live? Let's, let's, let's talk about your life. You are going to intensely feel his love. You will know how much Jesus loves you at that moment. Um, many will receive deep forgiveness some of you are going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I think he's going to wipe tears away from this world. But everybody did not believe. And I don't think everybody has the same experience with Jesus. I think for the wicked to stand before Jesus will be a terrible moment. Jesus said that he will cast some away from him. They'll come up and they'll say, hey, remember I did all this for you? And he's going to say, you are a total fake away from me, mm. you who are, are wicked. And all you'll want to do for all eternity, is stand and stare into his face. So to be cast away from him is the deepest hell, you know? Yeah, that's pretty intense. Let's see. Honestly, convicting is is not the right word, but it's like um, an awareness Mm -hmm. of the intensity of that fact. I hope it makes you hungry. You know? It's like I I can choose to go to church. I can choose to go to work. I can choose the job and the career and all that, but I I cannot choose not to die. Yeah, I cannot choose not to go through this process that we're describing mm-hmm. here, and there's a peace, but also a fear associated to that as well, um, because it's one of the few things that you can you can never really escape. Um, again, unless you know Jesus comes back and you just don't have to die, you just go get raptured straight right. up. You don't have to worry about it. Right. All right. But um, outside of that, like it's like you will die. You will stand before the king. You will give an account. And that's that a very will personal happen. experience. You don't give it's an account. It's not a may, it's a will. And it's like, oh, that's intense. I don't give account for your life. I've, I give yeah. account for me. So me and Jesus have a conversation about my life and what do I bring to him? What do I have to give to the Lord? Were there souls that I won? Did I, did I serve him well? Yeah. At that moment, I want to please the Lord. And like I said, I think you will want to spend all eternity staring into his presence because he is beautiful. But then the... Uh, the caveat to that is also though that I can never do enough to meet some standard expectation to enter heaven. Mm-hmm. So then how, how does, how do I know that I'm going to, like I'm going to be okay? Because the promises of God are secured in the person of Jesus. Jesus promised to you is that if you by faith, put your faith in him and live for him, that you are received into the kingdom of God, not based on your good works. You're brought, you're brought into the kingdom of God based on the blood shed for you on the cross. And so the reason we live is we want to have something to give to him. Um, you want to show up the same way you want to please somebody with a gift. You want to live your life like a gift you're going to give the Lord. I like that. Yeah. So you want to show up on that day and, he, and not go, okay, you're going to let me in. He goes, yeah, but I was so disappointed in how you lived. 
you want to get there and say, you know, I won this person to you. I shared you. I, you just, you love him so much. Try to so live much. a testimony of, of our life that was testimony to you and all of that. You know, when there's a girl you really love, you want to show up and please her with a gift. It's not that you yeah. have to, you just want, you want to. Yeah. How much more than a girl is our Lord? I like, we want uh, yeah, to show like up. Because then it's not about, I'm doing this so that I can make it into your heaven. I'm doing this so that I can be saved. It's like, love. I'm doing this because yeah. I know I am saved and therefore... It's totally different, huh? I want it's not to. it's not self absorbed. Well, I don't want to spend time in purgatory, so I'll live a good life. Yeah. It's I want to give something it's like, to the so Lord. I'm so thankful that the Lord saved me, that I'm giving him yeah. this I'm giving him this small little bit of time on this eternal rope. Mm-hmm. Um because all that eternal is already guaranteed. Amen. Amen. So, it was fun. A little bit about what to expect in heaven. I just wrote down, I thought this is a good way to pull together this discussion is some descriptions in heaven or some descriptions in the Bible of heaven. So what do we have here? We have about four, four different descriptions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here's why I thought this was cool. There's a whole bunch of different ways the Bible describes heaven. Cause I think the human mind cannot hold in heaven. So the Bible almost stutters. It goes, well, it's like a, it's like a, mm. it's like a, it's like yeah. a city. It's like a garden. It's a, so let me just describe some of them. Then, then later on, we'll dive deeper into these. Absolutely. But number one, heaven is described as a great city. Uh, Hebrews eleven eight says that Abraham longed for the city whose foundation was from, from God. When you think of a city, you think of a busy place. People are moving around. There's streets. When you look at heaven, uh, it's full of people. There's trees, there's thrones, there's clothes. Heaven is described as this great massive city. Those of us that are urban, mm-hmm. certainly urban America, we can picture a city and yeah. how exciting I'm that sure is. I'm sure there's some people though, they're like, why can't heaven just be a big ranch? Right. <laughs> uh, well, you'll like this. Heaven is also described as a banquet, which man, we're just coming at the end of Thanksgiving, headed into Christmas. Banquets are kind of a big deal. The it funny just, part is this is probably going to come out like right on Christmas. Right. So, so <laughs> think about, you go and what you love doing is just eating with family. Yeah. That's heaven. Uh, Isaiah 25 verse six. So people literally say that that's heaven about eating with family. Now yeah. They're like eating a banquet with family. It was it's like, like heaven. wow, this is heaven. It is. It's yeah. So this is like, yes, yes. It's a taste. <laughs> Nodding head aggressively. <laughs> it's a taste of heaven to, to, to eat with people you love. All right, Selena, Isaiah 25 verse six. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all people a feast of rich food a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow. Notice how it describes the food that God prepares. It's a feast. It's well-aged wine. I like this line, rich food. And then he says full of marrow. You know what marrow is? Bone marrow? like Meat. It's meat. Oh. Um, I don't know how that works out. Somebody was trying to push me on like, how could there be meat in heaven? If I was like, look, I don't, I'm not in charge of organizing things. Yeah. I don't have a theological answer for how, how there's meat in heaven. I'm just excited. There is. We also got absolute facts. I never even thought about that, but at the same time, I was also like, why would I have to eat? Um, but at the same time, like eating tastes good. So it's like, I'm I'm not going to go hungry, but also I can eat if I want. It's a good time. And there's wine and there's wine. Never really thought of wine in heaven. Yeah. But it's like, there's it's like wine, but, there, there's it's wine not... but no drunks. Hey, yeah. we've only experienced wine under a curse. It makes you drunk. Yeah, it makes you crazy. Imagine um, being set free from that bit of the curse. Oh, my gosh. Where did I read that? That was, that was literally 
um, uh, it was called Sobe in the book that I was, uh, oh, that's going to bother me. It's a really old book. It's a, it's like a hundred year old book. It's a answer to George Orwell's 1984. Um, uh, but in the book they talk about that they've, people are trying to escape reality and, uh, science had produced this drug and they call in the book, they called it Sobe. And basically you could freely get it. It's called Brave New World. Brave New World Brave by Adox Huxley. Thank you. Brave yeah. New World. And so you take in. You're describing, I'm like, that sounds a lot like Brave New World. Yeah, Brave New World. Which so, was a companion to 1984. Mm-hmm. It was a, well, it was a continuation of the thought that mm-hmm. was expressed in George Orwell's 1984. Fantastic book. But the Sobe that the scientists, the people invented, they were using it to escape. Mm-hmm. So instead of having to deal with the realities of life, instead of having to confront um, relationship instead of having to deal with difficult things. Anytime any difficulty presented the people, just take the drug. they would take the drug and they would just go off into the dreamland and not have to deal with it. Or if they're like, man, work sucks, they would take the drug so they could do their work and feel um, good about doing something they didn't really want to do instead of actually facing it. But anyway, I brought that up because in the book they describe it as a drug with no side effects. Mm. There were no side, you could take it and you could take as almost as much just of it as you wanted reality. to escape reality. And there were no side effects. You would just like, you could take so much that you would just pass out, but you would just wake up three, four days later Whoa. and be fine. There were still no side effects. You would just like come out of it. What if wine under the curse, which is what we have now, what if it deadens you to reality? And what if wine set free from the curse brings where like the reality yeah enhances i don't know reality, but i just say that it definitely refers to rich food and and meat and wine uh jesus also described heaven used the term of a banquet the picture of a banquet matthew eight eleven. you see that selena many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with abraham isaac and jacob in the kingdom of heaven so jesus refers to it as a feast also in revelation you're just you're invited to the wedding supper of the lamb all this imagery of eating, why all this picture of eating? Like it's a big Thanksgiving. It's a big, here's why we get excited about what we're going to eat. You know, um, I'm excited not about what we're going to eat. I'm just excited. Someone else is going to do the meal planning. Oh my God. <laughs> like, I'm so glad somebody else has figured it out, but it's not so much that we should be excited. We're going to eat and we're like, okay, we're going to eat meat. Is there going to be wine? Is there cheese? Oh man, there better be. It's more that eating in the Bible is a picture of fellowship that you spend time with one another. So it's not about the gluttony. It's about the community. You nailed it. Yes. It's that you're with one another. What do you do at the Thanksgiving table? You sit and you laugh with relatives you haven't seen for a while. You talk deeply. You sit, you know, well after the food's been eaten Mm -hmm. and you talk and you you enjoy each other. I hope your family does that. Yeah. (laughs) I hope you do that this Christmas because it's a taste of heaven, not just the food, but imagine sitting at the table and just talking to Abraham. Talking to King David, yeah. Talking to uh, loved ones that have passed. Just being at the table, enjoy. So often, the Bible idea of eating together is the idea of community, as yeah. you so perfectly said. Yeah, I mean, all through Judaism, and, and there, um, there are all these fellowships that are stood up, these yeah. festivals that are stood up because the community is the point. That's right. Yeah. So heaven is described as a city. It's described as a banquet. It's also described as a throne room. Isaiah said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. He's like sitting on the mighty throne. Yeah. Um, it says the foundations of the temple shook, the room filled with smoke. Uh, in, uh, in Revelation, John is swept from earth and he steps into heaven. And the first thing he sees is he sees the throne of God. That's important yeah. to us. That's important imagery, not just for death, 
But it's important for us to know that in heaven, the throne of all the universe sits and God rules on it from there. And so the, the universe is not without a ruler. There is not, um, there, there is not cessationism. There's not that there's nothing out there. Mm. There is one that rules all that exists. Yeah. I love that. Uh, one last one, just images. It certainly is a banquet. It certainly is pictured as the throne, you know, the, the, the place where the great King rules. It's pictured as a city. I like this. It's just pictured by Jesus as an intimate home. You're just home. And it's the easiest way to describe what happens when we die nice. is we go home. We say, hey, they're home with the Lord. I think that's good theology yeah. when we say somebody's home. Something Pastor Grover Lord. says is uh, when, I, when I come into church on Sunday and he gives me the fist bump, he says, um, welcome home, welcome good, home. And faith and good and faithful servant. Isn't that cool? Yeah. How does it make you feel? Loved. Yeah. Yeah. Anything, really anything that comes out of Grover's mouth makes me feel loved. That's so he's, cool. He's just exudes that yeah. um, that peace, mm-hmm. I think is the word, that peace. Yeah. Um, think of all the spectacular imagery that, you know, there's this mighty city and, and John got excited by the city and the foundations and the population and the great trees. And then Jesus is streets of gold. And we're like, wow, wow, look at yeah. all that. And Jesus goes, it's just home. Just understand it's mm-hmm. home. And Jesus looked at him and said, it's just home to me. I just want you to be home yeah. with me. It, it should be that, that sense. And, and he goes so far as to say, I'm preparing a home for you. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, here's why that matters. It's heaven is not so grandiose that we're uncomfortable there. Yeah. So if you were to stay the night in the white house, you'd be terrified. Like, I don't want to mess the sheets up. Or in any big city. Uh, you know? We, a while back, I took the kids to Disneyland. They were little and we stayed at the Disneyland hotel. We were so excited. We could wow. walk right in. This was a big deal. It turns out anyway, it, would, it is. <laughs> I, I, if you did that for me, my God, I was terrified. I did not enjoy it a bit. Because I was terrified the entire time. At one point, I remember I got upset that Rebecca spilled juice on the floor. And we're like, oh, no, this is the Disneyland Hotel. What a, it was just a little beyond us. Like, it was so gone. big, I couldn't enjoy it. Yeah. I think that heaven is not the Disneyland Hotel. It's not, it's not the White House. Disneyland, um, heaven is home. Jesus said it's home. I like this. I, I wanted to, to read this. This is by Bob Benson, who's a... An author, he wrote a book, he was dying with cancer and he wrote a book and he said this, he said, I used to think of dying as leaving the party early, but I've come to understand that there's a party going on somewhere else and I'm missing out on it. The, the Bible, of course, calls that party, the marriage supper of the lamb. The title of his book was you at the house. And he said this, he said, you know, someone will say you're out and they'll say, Hey, I'll meet you back at the house that that communicates warmth and fellowship and acceptance and security. That's what Jesus said to us. He said, Hey guys, Mm. I'll meet you back at the house. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I love that. Uh, the most important thing is something Imran, you hit on it earlier. So perfectly, how do we know we're going there? John 14 verse four and all the way down to six, Selena describes how we know we're going to heaven. And you know, the way to where I'm going Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Isn't that wonderful? How do I know I'm going to heaven? Jesus says, it's like they said, hey, we don't know how to get there. It's not like Jesus goes, okay, wait, wait, let me get a map out and show you. <laughs> I will get I'll give lost. You, I'll give you the GPS. I'll, we would, we get lost in the way. Jesus said, just trust me. I'll get you there. I'll walk you right in to mm-hmm. heaven because you're mine, you know. Yeah, 
That's awesome. Man, Pastor, this is... Are you excited I, about heaven? I, I'm, I'm super excited about this series here in general because that's where I have like a bunch of questions. Um, but at the same time, I can, I, it's like, there's sometimes we're, we're sometimes in the last hour, I was like, man, my heart rate's getting pretty elevated. <laughs> um, cause it, it, it's really intense, at least for me personally. Um, I'm a thinker. I really just kind of tear things apart and try to think about this, the, so what and the why, and then like carry that to its extreme and try to really figure out the purpose behind it. And I don't take things, uh, literally, I don't yeah. try to take it, uh, just the way that someone told me, I try to really extrapolate on like, well, why does that person say why are they saying the things that they're saying why are they believe the things they believe and, and try and really pull that out more um and and selena and i were talking about this um and we talked a little bit too but it's like uh the one of the reasons why i trust the the words of jesus christ as much as i do is because they work all the way to their extremes um jesus talks about um that that he is love that uh god is peace that And it's like these ideals and these values, it's like you take, um, if you take love to its extreme, it's still good. You take peace to its extreme, it's still good. You take, um, like that passion, the passion of Christ to its extreme. And he really did take it to extreme. He died on the cross for us Mm -hmm. and it was still good. Um, so you can't take a lot of the politics and the values that we have in our society to its extreme and it still be good. Just like we talked about with the Buddhism piece in the beginning, you take, reincarnation to its extreme and it's like well i don't want to get reincarnated into a worse state than i am now so why would it be why would i live a good life to hopefully maybe not have a chance yeah and it's like so it doesn't work at its extremes it doesn't make sense why would i want to be reincarnated to this place it's like why would i want to serve the devil for a chance to come back here and then die in war it's like because you take it to its extreme it doesn't make sense Mm -hmm. but you take jesus to the extreme and it still works it still makes sense it's still good amen and um and that's that's why I enjoy these these uh, discussions because the podcast really gives me a chance to um, ask those questions and ask the so what and the why. And the Bible answers the big question that we as humans are capable of asking. I don't think a deer wonders what happens when it dies. I don't think the animal kingdom thinks that far. Yeah. I, I don't think so. But the human is capable of understanding that we have an end. And that terrifies us. Oh, no, I have an end. The Bible from the earliest chapters of Genesis is giving us the answer that this is not the end, that there is an eternity waiting for us. And so it is working to comfort us. And as Hebrews said, Jesus sets us free, those who all their lives were slaves to the fear of death. So I would say that all of you out there, you are an eternal soul. You do not need to fear death, but you do need to fear the Lord and you need to rightly place your hope. And hope it rightly placed is not in purgatory. It's not in wrong systems. It's, and it's not even in the system of Christianity. Right hope is put in Jesus Christ and asking him to remove sin that you might live for him and have a life to give to him. Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much, pastor. This is fun. I look yeah. forward. I, 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 how far did we get? Did we actually get as far as he wanted or we were, we're like, there. We, okay, we accomplished. He like pre-planned to break his, break his notes <laughs> up. And I was like, yeah, you probably should. It's like, we might get talking. A lot of questions. Yeah. But, uh, this was really good. I hope you all continue down. This was a journey for me. Um, like you don't, you don't even understand what's happening like in my body, <laughs> but um, I hope that you all are feeling just as passionate and excited to continue down this rabbit hole with us as we uh, continue to learn more about our Lord and savior Amen. and about heaven. Amen. All right.
With that, I hope you'll join us next week for the next episode of Real Bible Stories. Thank you for tuning in to Real Bible Stories. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to leave a review, share, and subscribe to be notified each week when we upload new episodes. Real Bible Stories is produced in partnership with Palm Church in 29 Palms, California. If you would like more information or want to check out archived sermons and Bible studies, please check out the church website at palmsbaptistchurch.com or check them out on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. Real Bible Stories can be found wherever podcasts are found. Thank you again, and we will see you next week.